as a high school coach for women, for girls, so much of what I feel like sports can give a girl is confidence about her body Mm -hmm. and what it can do. Yeah. And they're already dealing with puberty. Yeah. And, you know, when you're a girl, puberty can be the difference between you being a good runner and not so good runner. Mm -hmm. I mean, some girls go through puberty and they're kind of like not as fast anymore or they have trouble adjusting. They're more um, injury prone after they go through puberty and really helping girls kind of realize like what their body needs to do this kind of demanding thing with it. Mm -hmm. It needs healthy food. It needs rest. It needs water. It needs to feel um, confident, secure, safe. And so for me, reading Mary Kane's stuff and listening to her video wasn't just about somebody body shaming her. She's, you know, she was an amazing runner, somebody depriving her of food, telling her not to eat, getting her, you know, making her resort to like hiding food in her room. But just the the feeling of being a teenage girl or a, a young woman in an environment where you're not safe Mm -hmm. and how many examples she had of going to tell somebody that she was not feeling good and how little support she received when she was like, I'm vulnerable. I'm, I don't feel good. I'm feeling, you know, like I'm starting to lose it here Mm -hmm. and no one cared. Yeah. Welcome to Going Deep, sports in the 21st century on Blue Ridge Public Radio. I'm Dr. Marsha Mount Shoup. And I'm Coach John Shoup. John's coached at the highest levels of the game of football for 26 years. And Marsha is an author, theologian, and minister. And we're glad you've joined us to go deep into some of the most pressing issues of our time. On Going Deep, we go beyond the sound bites and highlight reels. On the last episode of Going Deep, We had the privilege of talking with Annie Rodenfels, Olympic steeplechase hopeful and NCAA champion and all-time women's record holder in Division III steeplechase, seven-time All-American and a Center College grad in 2019, my alma mater. Annie also um, has the designation of making all the records I had when I graduated look really, really slow. She joined us last time to discuss um, all kinds of things in women's elite running in America. And and in the last episode, we had just finished discussing the current scandal with Alberto Salazar and the kind of Me Too phenomena that has emerged with women runners telling their stories about weigh-ins and disordered eating and pressure about their bodies. So we pick up now with some of that discussion and the unique challenges of girls and women running, but especially girls running in high school. I have this theory about coaches, which is that um, most men, I feel like in my experience, don't seem to care as much about the coach to athlete relationship. They're willing to be coached by someone as long as they're a good coach. You know, they want results. 
I've noticed um, I think Coach Owens is such a great recruiter because she really knows how to make that relationship. And, I mean, to be honest, in the last couple of years, the women's distance team has been much better than the men's at center. And um, I think she's she's had more women overall who have been more successful than the top of her men. And I think that's because women really buy into that relationship mm-hmm. and um, is so important to them that they are looking for someone who they connect with. And I know I was looking for that, even though I didn't know it as – um, a high schooler. I didn't want to go to the co- the school where the coach was a little weird and I didn't really connect with him. <laughs> I wanted to go to the school that the coach was really cool and I got along with her and she seemed to really care about me outside of just my running times. Um, and so I think that's a huge part and I think that's a lot of the reason that Mary Kane felt as abused as she did because that relationship and that trust you give to a coach mm-hmm. is like, I mean, that's sacred. Like that is really important and you have to be so vulnerable with someone mm-hmm. um you know to say i had a bad day or that run didn't go well and to say why mm-hmm. so yeah it really is tragic i mean I, I don't we don't know if she'll ever be able to get back to anything like what she yeah could have been oh, i know she's trying yeah yeah but it's an uphill battle at yeah. this point yeah in her life after everything that she's been through mm-hmm. Do you think that women can be at that elite level that a lot of those Nike runners are at and have different body types? Yes, I do. Um, I really do. I think that's an unpopular opinion, Mm -hmm. but I do um, because I feel like I'm doing it. Yeah, at some point there is a direct correlation between, you know, if you're a marathoner and you're running 26 miles, you probably won't go quite as fast if you – weigh 300 pounds i mean that's just (laughs) you know um like women have so many different body types i think um and it's often underappreciated women's body types and i i really think that you can be successful i think that there's much more it's just another thing like it it matters and yeah it's correlated but so is the mental aspect of running and so is um the amount of times that you're taking to recover and so is every single workout that you're doing it's just another factor among a bunch of different factors. Um, And so I don't think that anyone's body type is holding them back. And I think we often see a lack of that in the higher levels of the sport. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's because the women who maybe don't look like a runner are kind of discouraged from continuing or they never realize their true potential because they don't think they can. I think it is. I mean, you can even just look at a marathoner versus an 800-meter runner, and they look very different, even in women's. And they're both good at what they do. Yeah, there was one professional runner recently that came out in response to Mary and and talked about her experience as a high school runner when she went to, she was so good, Mm -hmm. you know, at the national level that she was picked to go to, you know, some camp or something and they measured body fat and all that. And they said, you will never amount to anything. Yeah. Because just because of her body type and what that did to her psychologically. And she she has amounted to great things, Mm -hmm. but she had to overcome that. She had to kind of have an inner conversation with her and say, I'm not going to believe that. Right. Which honestly probably made her a better runner. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's (laughs) hard. That's a lot to ask of an 18 year old or whatever to to have that inner dialogue. Right. And I know Mary Elizabeth has some questions along these lines for just 
you know, she's 15 and she would love to be where you are in her 20s. Even just in high school, I'm starting to be surrounded with people that are, you know, falling victim to like body image issues Mm -hmm. and people talking about eating and calories and stuff. And I was wondering, in your opinion, what is the healthiest way for someone in high school Mm -hmm. to train? I think that in high school, the main key is balance. Um, That's also very important in college and high school. But I think that often you see women who are really good in high school and don't amount to much in college because they didn't have balance in high school. Um, And that's in regards to eating and that's in regards to just training and mileage and the intensity. I think in high school, it's really important that you have fun and that you challenge yourself because that's teaching you really good lessons and you, you do things that are hard. But you also remember that at the end of the day, you're more than a runner. It's not worth harming your body through not eating or something because you want to be a better runner. Because long term, that's not going to help you. Um, It's just not. Um, So I think it's really important um, eating wise to just, you know, you eat healthy. You don't need to obsess over it. I don't agree with calorie counting. Uh, I would probably shock people by how many calories I eat in a day. Um, (laughs) But I also burn like 6,000 to 7,000 a day, you know, because I'm just doing so much. Um, And so I personally now, and I would advise high school athletes to do this is, you know, I eat healthy and I make healthy choices, but um, I try not to get caught up in it. Um, And I think that served me really well. I've also seen other people who have fallen trapped to that. And I just don't think they reach their true potential and I think sometimes it looks like you do um, which is kind of a psychological issue of like eating disorder and the increase of dopamine there's theories about that but it's not long term going to serve you well and you will fizzle out and you will start getting injured Um, you'll face what Mary Kane had which is the female athlete triad or reds um, or red s and it doesn't serve someone so I think it's important to pay attention to what you're eating too and if you know you want to do everything you can to get better then you should be paying attention to to food but you also should be paying attention to sleep and um, recovery and the workouts that you're doing and not overtraining and not going too fast on easy runs um it should just be another you hear thing. that mary elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> it should just be another thing but it's not everything One of the things, too, when you're young and, you know, again, peers are so important, and I try to cultivate this on the cross-country team, is laughter, fun, Mm -hmm. support, feeling. It's not necessarily safe doesn't capture it, but a supportive environment where everybody's working hard to be their best, but you feel supported. Because I think young girls are really good at psychological warfare. (laughs) They they can act like they support you, but they don't. And um, I wonder if you could speak a little bit to that, just about the kind of the cross country and distance running is such a mental battle Mm -hmm. and believing in yourself and helping other people around you to believe in themselves Mm -hmm. is one of the gifts of of cross country. Mm -hmm. I think no matter what level they are, if they're the top on the team or the last runner on the team that, you know, that really kind of encouraging, like believe in yourself kind of ethos that is cross country. 
I think is so important for young girls to like I fall agree. in love with the sport that yeah. way and not with like, yeah. And you know, now there's miles split and all this stuff yeah. where all your times are online. And I just hate that. Yeah. I'm so glad that did not exist when I was coming along, but that's, <laughs> I've, I've had runners who, you know, don't feel good and they're not having a great race. My mentality is don't quit. Mm -hmm. You finish that race. And they're like, but I don't want this time to be on mile split. Uh, and it's like, you know, that yeah. again, it to cross country is not as much about times. Yeah. It's more right. about grit. Yeah. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit to that, to Mary Elizabeth about that. Yeah. Kind of. Oh, I have lots of thoughts on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, first point, um, yeah, believing in yourself is everything because, mm -hmm. uh, when I started and I ran a 20 or two and I cried <laughs> because I didn't break 20. Um, like if I had told anyone on my team, I'm going to run a 1635 one day, they wouldn't have laughed at me like straight <laughs> up. They just wouldn't have laughed. Um, and I think even my coach at times was like, all right, Andy, <laughs> like, I guess so. But honestly, I stubbornly believed in myself and I continue to believe in myself. Um, it's a little harder now because I'm like, Oh, but there's all these other professional women and you know, people know who they are and stuff, but like, no, I believe that I will be at the Olympic trials and I believe that I'll be better and I'll run this time or that time. And I think that's gotten me really far. Um, because I've seen other people who don't believe in themselves as stubbornly, maybe at times too stubbornly. Um, and, I just, I think they feel that they probably didn't reach their true potential, and I'd probably agree. Um, it's really scary to put yourself into everything um, and to really actually be like, I'm going to try to do my actual goals, even though they're really hard. Um, but the stepping ladder to that is believing in yourself and thinking that you can do it, whether it's a small goal or a big goal, you know, whether you're going to go win the Olympics or you just want to make the varsity team at your school. Um but then also, I also very firmly believe in not taking myself too seriously um, and having fun. Um, I think if I thought of myself as like this amazing great runner who is whatever, you know, the best at Center College, I would probably go crazy. Um, <laughs> I am competitive, but I also believe in having fun at practice um, and, you know, making a joke of things. You know, when it's time to do the work and it's a serious race, I'm serious. Like, I will scare anyone with my <laughs> scary racing face. Um, but, like, leading up to that, you, you know, I'm going to have fun and um, – I have been known. We have sung on a rep before. Um, I don't think my coach was happy about that because <laughs> it was before a serious race. But um, I, you know, there's just small things that I do to make it better. I wear something weird to practice. Um, last week I showed up to lift in a Team USA men's 100-meter uh, singlet. <laughs> um, it was just like, let's go, you know, making small things fun. I'm currently on a quest to be able to do – actual pull-ups um which really does not correlate to running at all but um I try to do things that kind of break up the monotony of training and um I think in high school that's a huge thing is to make things important uh, back in high school we used to throw we are we used to um pull pranks on my coach um all the time um Aww, don't get any yeah. ideas about that <laughs> April Fool's jokes are great um <laughs> My high school team now, uh, the last practice of the season, we did a two-man 4 by 8 relay, so we each ran two 800s all out. Yeah, it was the week before state, and, you know, I mean, we weren't going to do anything super big there, but still, you know, we're going to have fun, and 
we raced around a park in the grass. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that's really important in high school because I do think that the best runners are the people who love the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't run because I get paid because I really don't. Um, and I don't <laughs> run because people pay attention to me because they really don't. Um, and I run because I absolutely love it. And, you know, I would go crazy if I wasn't on a run. And I love the places that it takes me and the places that I run. I just get to look outside and just like enjoy it and like not think of anything because there's no other time of the day where I'm not thinking of something. Um, and I think that makes the best runners really because everyone else who doesn't like it, they just burn out and they don't reach their true potential because, you know, they're in it for the money and they can't handle the pressure. But when none of that matters because you just want to run, I think you are really successful. And I've, I've felt that. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but could you just speak on like how rigorous your weekly like training schedule is as an elite athlete and how that kind of compares to like running in D3 or high school? It is more rigorous. Um, it's easier than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to come and be a professional runner and I was going to die. <laughs> um, and like I do feel tired all the time, but it's a lot better. So um, in terms of rigor right now, I spend about three hours, sometimes more at practice every day. And I usually do two to three workouts a week. Twice a week, I go on two different runs during the day. I have to run again after my workout on workout days. I run about 70 to 75 miles a week currently, um, which is a lot more than I did in college. Um, And I lift three times a week and I run pretty much every single day. I take maybe one day off a month, maybe mm. two. It is a lot less racing, though, than in college, um, and that makes it a little easier, especially in cross-country season. Your body can get really beat up when you're racing that much, um, but that's just kind of the college season. It's really stuffed into there. It is harder, and I do spend a lot more time, and like I said, pretty much my entire day is like scheduled around my running um, and around the things I need to do to continue to stay healthy and not get hurt. Um, in college, it was a lot of a step down. I think maybe, I think only in like the top D1 schools are you going to see a schedule, not that looks like mine, not as intense as that, but like that resembles that. I think what we were doing at my school, um, there's a lot of variety in D3 colleges and I think the training programs, but I think what we were doing at center was pretty similar to like a pretty good D1 school, maybe not the best, but similar enough. Um, In college, I didn't run more than 55 miles, um, and I was actually running the furthest out of all the girls on my team, but most of the girls ran 45, 50 miles, and I was lifting, but only twice a week, and I didn't pay attention as much, definitely, to my sleep, Um, a little bit less to my eating, because I just ate what was available, but, and it was rigorous, it was at times hard to do on top of school but it was a good balance I think in d3 that's one of the things that is so valuable because you learn real world things like how to balance my time like I'm sure at some of the d1 schools you know they aren't going to all their classes first of all because it's a large school so they don't really have to but also because um some of them are traveling to Oregon like three times a season and yeah, they're missing like five days of school. Center's really unique because you can't miss more than two days of school for a sport. So um, I wasn't really able to ever leave and just skip a ton of class. You know, I was at one point 
competing when I had a final and that was super rare that I had to take my final before like that is almost never allowed um because I'm not just an athlete I was also a student and then in high school it was a lot less intense or my high school coach was very smart because I'd never ran before and she didn't throw me into anything so I ran maybe 20 miles (laughs) most (laughs) weeks I think I ran six miles for a long run which is now my easy run (laughs) um I also hated running those six miles which is ridiculous now to me (laughs) Um, and it was, it was more just like having fun, but also I had a a really good coach who knew what she was doing and like, she did give me like the proper types of workouts. Um, so yeah, it's been a different each time and yes, I am the best now, but I built up to that. Um, if coach Owens had thrown me into 70 miles a week when I first got to college, I would be injured, probably not be running at all. I would be burnt out. It's all about balance and slowly adjusting um scientifically you should throw a little bit of stress your way so maybe do one more workout a week or like up your mileage a couple miles but then the other important part is recovering it's the cycle of stress and recover stress and recover um and that's important to understand as a high schooler because i think you really want to just like i want to be so good and like i want to go to this program and like i want to be as good as i can now trust me you don't want to be the best that you are now this to so many countless freshmen who have come in and are like just like kill themselves with like overtraining and they run way too fast on easy days you don't want to be the freshman that comes in and is the best as a freshman and then everyone's like oh well they were really good as a freshman you know this and this happened mm-hmm. like you just continue to want to get better what an insightful comment yeah. how many freshmen have come in gotten injured and then disappeared mm-hmm. and what an insightful comment I think that was. Yeah. As a football coach, I always thought to myself how important it was to be good when it mattered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we used to say in the NFL season, you remember December. Be good come December. So yeah. there's there's some endurance to that. you got to practice so your team's fresh in December. We also talked about, you know, be good in the fourth quarter. There's some endurance in that. Game endurance, mm-hmm. season endurance, different types of things. I think it's fascinating that you're going to the Olympic trials. You need to be good mm-hmm. for 10 minutes on a specific day in June. <laughs> and how do you prepare yourself to make sure that you peak right at that at that moment? Well, pretty much... Everything that my coaches have me do is leading up to that moment, I guess, Um, and or the moment that gets me to that moment and then that moment. Um, And so that looked like I give a lot of answers to that. That looks like a lot of things that looks like um, in the fall because I'm not racing as much. That looks like not doing as many workouts. Um, I did a lot more workouts that were um, base building or aerobic building. So longer slightly slower repeats instead of I wasn't going out and running a mile at the fastest I could at that time. That would just lead to burnout and injury. I don't need to be going fast in the fall. I need to be building this really strong base because at the Olympic trials, there's rounds. So I need to have endurance so that I can run and then come back five days later and run an even better time at a race that's very grueling. So that's one thing. It looks like building really high mileage because 
we know that that will give me endurance and aerobic capacity. Um, and then going back to the stress recover, that looks like slowly introducing new stresses into my life of like, I came to this program and I slowly adjusted to the mileage. Um, I wasn't jumping 20 miles a week. You know, I was slowly jumping into it and then I was slowly jumping into workouts. And then, um, after a couple weeks, I was finally allowed to do a double and now I'm doing two doubles. And now this week, actually my doubles are getting slightly longer. Um, and a double is when I run twice a day. And then I think for me, it looks like racing now, and but not a lot, but racing now so that when it comes the time of it matters, I know how to race because a lot of my final college years, I was spent being by myself. <laughs> I am great at running by myself and racing by myself because that's all that I've done. Because you were so far in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. And so we, there's strategy yeah. that you're trying mm-hmm. to develop now yeah, as well so, that you never had to. Exactly. So um, that's kind of my personal goal. I'm running indoor right now. I'm about to start. That's kind of my personal goal is to learn to race from every single position because I'm not going to be winning at the Olympic trials. Like, I'm just not. You know, I'm not going to be in a position where I'm in first. And in steeplechase, that's super weird because you are going over the barrier and there's people next to you also jumping and you're really close to them. And I'm not used to that. And it's really hard to mentally get used to that. And so that's my goal is just... I'm new on the scene. No one knows who I am. How am I going to deal with that? And how am I going to race? And how am I going to race when I'm behind five people and, you know, every our steps are off, so they're jumping, and then I'm jumping, and it's, like, stressful because they're really close to me um, and keeping my form for that. It's almost, uh, I'm envisioning like this scaffolding, this just building, 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 and almost like a pyramid. Mm -hmm. Come June. Yeah. So so leading up to the trial, the day of the trials, Mm -hmm. when will be your, like, what will be your penultimate competition before you get there? Like how, Um, what would be the distance between that last race and the trials? Well, so we have my schedule written out right now, but it's somewhat Mm -hmm. tentative. Mm -hmm. Um, I think right now, supposing that I qualify before the very last qualification, Mm -hmm. um, you have to run a certain time to get into the Olympic trials. I'm hoping to get that hopefully by Mm mid-season. I hope that I can do that. If not, then it will be a bad season and, or I'll be injured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think my last race is Portland twilight, which I think is, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks before. Okay. Maybe more, maybe like a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing about professional running that is very different from college, especially for me is that you don't race as much. I am used to racing every weekend, um, in track, I am maybe a couple times a week. No, yeah. I am yeah. notorious for racing multiple things at one. Like yeah. I was, if anything, maybe a little over raced in college, yeah. but I mean, it was what we did. To you try could do to it. That's right. In conference the team. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be a lot different for me to like on my schedule right now, every single meet, it says 3000 meter steeplechase, 3000 meter steep, like every, and I'm just that's, like, what? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I usually run two steeplechases a year and I, you know, mm-hmm. I'll do a 5K this weekend. The next weekend, I'll do an 800 and 1500 and the 4x4. Four four. And then mm-hmm. next weekend, I'll do, you know. So, um, but I think it'll be good. It'll be It's a new different, stress. though. Yeah. It's way different. It is way yeah. different. And so when you have that last race and then you're, you know, hopefully you're leading up to the trials mm-hmm. then, 
what kind of touch in to speed do you do in that like three weeks? Yeah, I'm not really sure yet. That's um, interesting. Since I haven't been yeah. in the program as long, but I'm assuming that um, the longevity of my workouts will be less. I think that's kind of a slow process, though. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, so like earlier in the year, I did an 8K road race mm-hmm. um, versus like next weekend, I'm running a 3K, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so speed is slowly being introduced into my workouts currently. I'm kind of just waiting for the workout where they just throw me in and I die, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like anxiously waiting. Yeah, I'm guessing I'm, I'll be doing a lot more of shorter reps but that are much faster. Mm-hmm. I've heard that we do something where it's like you PR in practice. Mm. I've heard rumors of that. I have not done it yet. I'm a little nervous. Cool. But I heard that there's a workout where they're like, okay, you're going to PR in this, and then you're going to keep running and do something else. So I'm really yeah. nervous for that. So my kind of closing question is um if you you know became the the queen of (laughs) women's competitive running in the united states what are three policies slash practices that you would really oh um institute oh like if i was like you're in charge charge. you're not like not like i'm the best no you're in charge i'm in charge yeah oh okay I would institute a policy that requires any professional college organization to have at least one woman on staff. Mm -hmm. Um, And she would need to be, I want to say she would need to be full-time, but I know that's really hard at some colleges. So she'd need to be at least a part-time person. I think I would instill... See, this is harder because it's not policy. I okay, wish it could be a practice. Okay, I wish that I could instill some kind of uh, culture shift mm-hmm. that made it um, made running more women inclusive. And this has been bothering me more than recently because I uh, let's run is a really common running forum that people go on. But like, this is just an example of how the culture is. People just want to talk about the best guy runners and. I mean, to be fair, people have talked about American women distance runners a little bit more in the pe- in the recent years because, no offense to the men, but we've been better. I mean, mm-hmm. on the national stage, we just have. You have Jenny Simpson, you have mm-hmm. Shalane, you have Emma Coburn. They're, we're just slightly better right now than the men are. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was a way to make it where people cared as much about women distance running. I've experienced that firsthand. There is a guy runner in D3 who's really good and like really good and I'm friends with him and he broke a D3 record and I think it was written up about on flow track and people like talked about it. Okay, it really had only stood a couple of years, I think, because another guy had gotten it before him. But two weeks later I broke the D three steeplechase record, which given people care a little bit less about steeplechase. It's not as competitive. But like you said, I was the f- I broke it by seven seconds mm-hmm. which is a lot, a lot in a 3k and i was the first woman to ever run a sub 10 and honestly it wouldn't have put me at an all-american in d1 that year mm-hmm. like top eight mm-hmm. and nothing no one said anything about it wow. um which you know of course i want people to say stuff about yeah. it but i just feel like the same coverage hasn't been given to women that it's given to men and that's on almost any platform, whether that be D3, D2, or D1, um, or professional. Maybe at professional there's a little bit more um, because the women are so freaking good. (laughs) But um, I wish there was a way that I could change that because I think it discourages women from participating in the sport. And that's 
I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Of course, women haven't been quite as good as men in the past because we haven't been doing it as long. Mm -hmm. And um, you are just now starting to see women get really good and break and make records that are as competitive as the men's records. But we've been doing it for way less. I mean, women's steeplechase has only been around in the Olympics since the late 2000s. It's literally, I think it's been through two or three cycles. They've been doing men's forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the men's steeplechase has been a thing forever. Like, legit. Like, they did it before track was a thing. Hmm. Um, of course, it was different. They were racing through fields, but still. Yeah. So, yeah. One f- more. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and then... So, it can be a practice. It can be a process. It could be a... Yeah. A policy. Mm. I think that I would try to create something, whether that be a policy or a practice i don't know i don't i don't know the particulars of it um but the goal of it and the aim of it would be to make i think running in general be more inclusive i think that running is the most inclusive sport um you don't need fancy equipment you don't even need a coach you Mm -hmm. need some kind of shoes and you can do it. Anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. But I think we still hold it within, like, welcoming people into the community. I think we're incredibly bad at. Um, it should be something where there are more people of color in it and there are more um, women in it and there are more people of different religions in it. Um, you can go back to the recent issue with a girl in Ohio, my home mm-hmm. state, um, high school girl running in a hijab and mm-hmm. not being able to participate in the state meet. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um there needs to be more body types in it. Um, I mean, I just think it just there's so much room for it to be inclusive and for it to include people. And I mean, really, I truly believe that running could be like the thing that like makes the world more inclusive yeah. and like brings about change. Like, I truly believe that because of how hmm. impactful and empowering it is. There's the aspect of like what I do directly makes me better at running but mm-hmm. then it's also like this supportive team environment and so i think we could create a, create a great model for the rest of the world but i think we have to be more inclusive as a community mm-hmm. and um i don't know what that would look like but i'd try to instill something that really sought to like achieve that i love it and I have a feeling you could actually be the person to achieve it. <laughs> I think you've, you're headed to big, big things. Thank and you. We're so grateful for this time with you, Annie. Congratulations on an amazing career so far. Thank but, you. And also congratulations on, you know, this future that you are setting your sights on. I think that in and of itself is an amazing accomplishment. And you got three big fans right here at the table. Four, if <laughs> you include you, Sydney, he's your yeah. he's a fan as well. So um, go Annie. <laughs> We've been talking to Annie Rodenfelds on Going Deep. Annie is a model for our daughter, Mary Elizabeth, and for young women athletes throughout our country. We can't wait to follow her progress in June's Olympic trials. You've been listening to Going Deep, sports in the 21st century, from the studios of Blue Ridge Public Radio, NPR for Western North Carolina. Tell us what you think of the show by emailing us at goingdeep@bpr.org. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Shoops Going Deep.